0: Hype Beast and Hype Radio. I am Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. On today's episode of The Business of Hype, we have the pleasure of hearing from an author, a professional athlete, a restaurateur, a creator, a brand owner, and an instigator. And here's something really convenient, they're all the same person. We live in a time where anything and everything is made and made at your disposal. We have so many options on what we can consume today. And as creators, when we choose to add something to this world, we have equally so many options on what to create. So doing something intrinsically new and purposeful actually sounds a lot more challenging than it seems. Our guest seems to have a knack for doing this over and over again with success. Just look at her track record. Her mission is to challenge the way society thinks. But interestingly enough, she wants to do that through amazing products. I love how she's able to take the wants, needs, and desires of people and turn them into initiatives that better the world. So get ready as we break down her ideation advice. Investment war stories, and the need to discuss very uncomfortable topics. Everyone, please welcome a true serial social entrepreneur, Mickey Agarwal.
1: My name is Mickey Agarwal. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm specifically a social entrepreneur. So I like um, both solving problems in the first world and also in the developing world simultaneously. Okay. Um, I have a couple of books. Uh, mm-hmm. the first one is called Do Cool Shit with a subtitle, quit your day job, start your own business and live happily ever after. Okay. And I have a second book coming out called Disrupt Her, mm-hmm. uh, which is a manifesto for the modern woman. Although I think all men should read this book too. All humans should read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, you, when you think about like the Bible and the Quran and the Torah, they all talk about man and he who, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and yet women read those texts. Right. right? right. And so like... Victor Frankel wrote *Man: Search for Meaning*. Yet mm-hmm. women read those texts. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aristotle wrote all of his stuff about he and man, and women read those texts. And so my book is called *Disrupt Her: A Manifesto for the Modern Woman*, but it's meant to be read by all humans, including okay. men.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, how many businesses do you have to start to be considered a serial entrepreneur? Are you there? I mean, I th-
1: I think more than two.
0: Okay, so you're you're way there.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely there. Okay,
0: so list off. Give me the laundry list of all the companies you founded.
1: Yes. So I started a company called Wild, mm-hmm. which is a gluten-free farm-to-table pizza concept. And this was in 2005 when nobody was talking about gluten-free or farm-to-table, or organic, or yeah. any of those words were not there. And so it was such a uphill educational battle to get people to even try it. Mm-hmm. They would say things like, "Ugh, must taste like cardboard." Ew. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Gluten-free I remember those days. free pizza. Yeah. Gross. Right
1: organic ew you know that was really what where it was 2004 2005 <laughs> yeah. so that was my first business it's still going i have three restaurants you okay. can check them out at eatdrinkwild.com.
0: okay they're um, all they're where in new york two City. in new
1: york and one in guatemala randomly <laughs> because we we there's this restaurant group who uh really liked the, the concept and okay. they want to and gluten-free was starting to really grow in central america and so we're the first gluten-free restaurant in in this part of central america
0: Okay. Yeah. So Wild. Wild
1: is the first. And then um, I started Thinks, which Mm -hmm. is a period-proof underwear company, Mm -hmm. um, which scaled really, really quickly over the course of a few years. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Is Thinks still going right now? Thinks is
1: still going. Oh, yes, is scaling. Um, And then I started a company called, uh, I co-founded a company called Icon, which is looking at the urinary incontinence market mm-hmm. um seven billion dollar category that that people wear depends and pours yeah. diaper like awful products mm-hmm. and so we created a pair of underwear specifically for um a woman who has light bladder leakage okay um and then most recently i started a company called tushy mm-hmm. not to be mistaken with the porn site tushy <laughs> okay um go to hello okay um and hello once more time, not Tushy.com. It's a very graphic course <laughs> site. Do
0: not site. go to Tushy.com.
1: Correct. Yeah. Hello, Tushy.com. Okay.
0: Um, Although similar business regions. Yeah. yeah both similar. down there. Yeah, both both down there, there. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so Tushy is a modern bidet mm-hmm. that easily clips onto your toilet and turns any toilet into a bidet in less than 10 minutes. Okay. You go from the barbaric toilet paper <laughs> consumption to, um, you know, a pristine, precise shower for your butt.
0: Yes. Yes, again, and that's
1: only a sixty nine dollar product. So it's not like those really fancy Japanese bidets.
0: Right. And again, another subject matter that most people would be like ill, like Correct. poop.
1: Poop. Oh, spraying <laughs> poop everywhere. That's what must happen. Okay, no. Yeah, that's I not- personally am yeah.
0: a big bidet fan, by the way. You're speaking Are you? to a big bidet fan. Yeah.
1: Okay, tell me how you became a bidet lover.
0: By going to Japan all the time and realizing life is way better. With a clean um, asshole. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think you know what? It's interesting because now I'm put on the spot because I do feel a taboo sensation right now. Like, Why? Right now in real life, <laughs> the fact that we're about to talk about, you know, fecal matter. Great. Like I feel like I have to censor myself. It's so strange. Say it's poop. really say it. Poop. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like swamp ass. Like that shit sucks. I know it sucks, and the fact that.
1: of people who don't use a bidet are walking around with literally with fecal matter, with poop on their butts, Mm -hmm. which then causes and exacerbates infections, diseases, chronic urinary tract infections. If you're a woman, Woman, anal fissures and anal itching and Mm -hmm. things like that. If you're both a woman or a man, Um, wet wipes exacerbate anal um, itching and also... Uh, anal fissures, which are basically small lacerations in your bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, It strips away the natural oils from behind over time. I mean, think about it. Like, would you jump in your shower, not turn the water on and just use dry paper to wipe your body down and call yourself clean? Right. People would call you crazy. People would literally think you you should be in a loony bin, right? Yeah. Or would you go to your dirty dishes in your sink in your kitchen, Mm -hmm. say you cut, cut a raw chicken with salmonella all over it. And instead of washing that dish, you just wipe it with dry paper, and pull your dish away. <laughs> Do you think people like right. what people would be like, you know how much bacteria is in fecal matter? Yeah. So much. And like the fact that we're wrapping, you know, the average American uses 57 sheets of toilet, sheets of toilet paper per day. Uh-huh. And so because they're trying to wrap their hand in toilet paper to not touch it. Yes. And, meanwhile, and then to
0: dab it up against yourself. And then to try yourself. and
1: like smear it into yourself. Yeah. It just doesn't.
0: It makes no sense.
1: It actually makes no sense. And when we when we remove the veil of indoctrination, because like our great-great-grandparents, our grandparents are, it was brought to America in, in late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And so it's really been intergenerationally the way we've been taught how to do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we really stop and ask ourselves, wait a minute, is it the best, cleanest, most hygienic, the best for the environment, the best for my pocketbook? I mean, we're spending an average of $20 a month on toilet paper, mm-hmm. um, You know, yeah. it, it, pl- you know, including a lot of, if you have wet wipes and yeah. stuff like that. Right. Um,
0: it's it's you know, insane.
1: Within, within, within three months, you're paid off on a bidet. You just have to pat dry with some amount mm-hmm. of paper, but you're using 80 like, to 85% less toilet yeah. paper yeah. to pat dry. Right. And you're saving, you know, you're helping save 15 million trees from getting flushed down the toilet. These are trees. I mean, The amount of CO2 in the air today is more than 20 million years or the last 20 million years by doubles, triple Mm -hmm. um, numbers. And so. And
0: it's only to feel better. It's not even like, exactly. it's almost like if you had to do all this good stuff, but then you felt a little bit worse, it'd be fine. But like, no, you actually feel better. You feel, you
1: feel, (laughs) you actually feel clean. Like before having a bidet, before I actually had my tushy installed, Mm -hmm. I would be that person using definitely more than 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. I would create, I would get two wads of toilet paper. I would go (laughs) to the sink, dab it with water. Uh We put two two wads of wet paper and I would go to my, I would sit down with with two dripping wads of wet. And then I would take the first wet wad, wipe it. Then I would take dry paper to dry it. And then Mm -hmm. take the second wet wad to wipe it. And then take the fourth dry wad to dry that. that So I can try to get as much out. And it, it was so gross. It was like dripping in my hand. It was just like, and I had to wash the yeah. whole thing. Like, I understand why people take showers after mm-hmm. they go to the bathroom because right. you're literally dirty. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. You know? It'd it's be sh- like if your dog crapped on a table and you wiped it off with just like a newspaper right. and just left it.
1: Exactly. But like,
0: you wouldn't use water or spray on that somehow? Anything.
1: Yeah. It's just so, yeah, it, it's, it's actually... It's actually interesting when you when you really like lay it out like that, mm-hmm. how people are like, oh yeah, that's true. And then there's all those things like, well, isn't it toilet water or wa- dirty toilet water? And I'm like, no, 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 no. The water is pulled from your wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. Yeah. And it comes with a splitter and a hose. And so you literally like split off the water from the wall. Mm-hmm. So it's not from the to- toilet bowl or the tank.
0: Oh, and people a- still think that?
1: Oh yeah. And then another <laughs> thing people say is like, oh, well, when you spray, when you, when you spray your butt, it must spray poopy water everywhere uh-huh. and and then no the answer is no it's like a reverse waterfall it like pulls the the poop down mm-hmm. into the bowl Yeah, i mean it's a super simple clean easy precise experience right. it just it's just it's just different anything yeah. that's different people want to shy away, away mm-hmm. from anything that's against what you've been doing for so long and someone's trying to tell yeah. you that that's not actually the best way. Right. You have pushback. I mean, yeah. with my first business, my restaurants, mm-hmm. people would say, "Don't tell me how to eat. I want to eat my pizza like my Joe's pizza that with the bleached flour and the processed cheese and the pepperoni. That's the way I do pizza. So shut the fuck up." Right, right. You know, and I'm like, "Well, what if you had the same tasty, in fact even tastier pizza, mm-hmm. but was made with gluten-free flour and yeah. hormone-free cheeses and organic cheeses, local seasonal toppings." Like You know, instead of using tons of sugar to cut the acid in the sauce, why not use fresh carrots and fresh onions to naturally sweeten the sauce? And then just try it, just taste it. They're like, oh, it tastes like, it just probably tastes like shit. Probably, 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 probably. And then they try They're like, oh my God, this is the most delicious thing. And like, oh my God, and it's also healthy. Like you have to kind of get people over the edge to just try it. Yep. And it's hard to have people try a bidet Mm -hmm. unless they're just like, you know what, $69. That's why we had to choose a price point that was low enough for someone to be like, you know what? I'm going to try it. We also have like a 60 day money back guarantee policy as yeah, well. Yeah. But we had to put those things in place because we were like, listen, it's worth it. It's like, it doesn't matter if you tried it and didn't like it. You can always return it. Right. Just try it. Yeah. And then you'll see. Like, we've had the most skeptical people who are like, I will never fucking use a bidet ever mm-hmm. in my life. It's the most disgust. Never. Mm-hmm. To being like the one shouting from the rooftops, the biggest advocate. It's yeah. interesting how yeah, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Is it
0: a coincidence you think that all of your businesses involve a reprogramming of people? Is that your thing? For, like, <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's the most in- interesting for me. Okay, I, I'm really, I really love shifting culture mm-hmm. and and using it and shifting culture in, for the better. Using products, yeah. Like, can you can you improve the lives of people, the planet, our pocketbook? Mm-hmm. Like, can we? improve our lives effectively with a better more effective a more like you know better com- more comfortable product yeah yeah like that's that's a challenge right, right? like right. can you do it while everyone's telling you that it's the dumbest idea mm-hmm. can you do it when no investor wants to invest in you yeah can you still do it if you know people are set in their ways and mm-hmm. wants to throw want to Hating throw rocks at you yeah. yeah i mean that's that's fun that's right. a challenge
0: It doesn't matter the industry. There's a similar approach to work that many guests of the business of Hype share, a very common thread to say the least. We've talked about being the presidential intern. We've talked about the underdog, and we've talked about the hustler. And the idea of knowing you're either starting from the very bottom or starting with your back against the wall, no matter the circumstance from which you start, you're going to need to grind to find the solutions that fit you and your vision. That's universal for a lot of our guests, and it's even more evident for Mickey. She's actually fine-tuned her internal radar to realize that when others told her she cannot, that actually means she should. Mickey has also done this tackling taboo and unconventional topics, which only makes this process twice as hard. But in doing that, she's made her mark in each and every industry that she decides to work in. During a time where there wasn't a common understanding of gluten-free or organic foods, she opened WILD 13 years ago. I'm not going to lie, talking about the work of some of her past and current companies might be a little awkward or uncomfortable, but that's her point. There's a stigma around these conversations, and it's Mickey's goal to normalize them. Whether it's a discussion about fecal matter or incontinence or the menstrual cycle, Mickey wants everyone to be able to openly discuss it because in there lies the solution. These are real human experiences that she's trying to battle. And great product, thoughtful design, and differentiating service are Mickey's weapons of choice. So remember, if you're ever toying with an idea, hear the advice, but also be confident in the possibility of how far that idea can go. When they zig, sometimes the payoff will be when you zag. How old were you when you um, started Wild? 24, or twenty twenty
1: four uh, had the idea, 25 raised the money, built it, and then, okay. op- and then opened it. 26. And
0: you're not like a chef, right? No,
1: <laughs> I literally never cooked in a kitchen before that day in my life.
0: That's awesome that that didn't stop you. Like most people would be like, oh, I wish I could do that, but I don't cook. So, But you're just like, well, I'm gonna I figure this out. Well, I was
1: just a out. naive fool. I was <laughs> just like, I could, I could, how hard could this be? Yeah. You know, it was more like, Yeah, it's just pizza. Like, I can figure this out. I mean, pizza is the hardest dough to create. It's Mm -hmm. actually a science. Yeah. And I I was just, I think every entrepreneur needs to be really naive when they start anything. Because if they know, if they're like, oh, these are the 25,000 steps I need to take to start a business, they might scare themselves from doing it. Yeah. Right? Versus like, oh, how hard could it be to start a clothing brand or to start Mm -hmm. a shoe company or to start any business? Mm -hmm. Right? It, it, It can't be that hard. I think... For every one of my businesses, it started that way. Even after I started the hardest business in the world, the next b- restaurant business, mm-hmm. the next business, I'm like, oh, my God, this must be much easier. Uh, underwear business. Can't be, you know, yeah. technical underwear. Can't be, oh, my God. The <laughs> can't be that hard, you uh-huh, know, and just... Uh-huh. And each one has a set of major challenges and yeah. hurdles and...
0: Issues. So, with the first one, Wild, did you? You said you brought in funding because,
1: yeah, raised two hundred fifty thousand dollars from open
0: the first one in Brooklyn. Yes,
1: to open the first one in Manhattan. Okay, Upper East Side was the first one.
0: Okay, and what did you? um, You know, how do you pitch that? Like, how do you put it together? Yeah,
1: it was actually this is this is a funny and kind of sad and tragic story because. so at first I would go and try to do these one-on-one like business meetings mm-hmm. and now anyone who I thought had any money in their pockets like former investment bank connections that I had or anyone that was rich from college anyone yeah. I was like hey can we set up a meeting of an idea and I would I would like put on my investment banking suit from like my days of old which by the way were the most uncomfortable things mm-hmm. I would go and like have these awkward meetings with people, and because I was so out of myself yeah. and so like in these suits and trying to be like businessy when I wasn't a business person at all, uh-huh. I would I would be so not confident in myself, and that just showed in those meetings. And so I raised a big fat donut for like a whole year. I uh-huh. raised nothing. Wow. And um, and I finally stopped, and I was like, okay, what what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I not raising money? Like, what is it like? And I realized I'm like, I wasn't like my sort of sparkly true self True self. Yeah, yeah. that we you know when you're a light, when you're like super excited, when you're like good at something, mm-hmm. people are attracted to yeah, you, it's right? Magnetic. It's yeah. magnetic. But when when you're like tentative and cautious and uncomfortable and not in your skin properly, people are like, uh, I feel awkward just <laughs> being around you, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah.
2: I don't
0: want to give you my and I want to leave. leave. What? I don't want to
1: get out of here. <laughs> like check, please. Right. Um,
0: All right. So first, let me, let me ask you this. Like, how did you first figure out how much you needed?
1: I did I calculated okay. um, just like what the startup cost would be, um, what it would cost. I mean, I did. I got turned down from every real like landlord even to get a space. So the only space I got, I was losing to like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts uh-huh. on spaces. So the only space I got was like a 700 square foot like nail salon, a pink nail salon that I had to convert into a restaurant. It had it was no a restaurant
0: equipment in there.
1: Zero. Wow. Didn't even have a stacked um, hood that went to the roof, a yeah. venting system. Mm-hmm. So I had to even build a six floor, six story venting system that went to the roof, which I didn't, of course, had no idea what that was uh-huh. about. Um, it was, it was a whole thing it was such a hilarious set of misadventures. Did you learn another- it
0: all yourself in terms of like there's like restaurant coding, food and health oh, regulations? Oh,
1: I had to learn every single thing on the fly as they were popping in. You're just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, wait, what? I have to get an I have to get a food service I have to go take a class." Like, "Okay, I'm going to All right, I guess I'm going to go do that now." Mm-hmm oh, now I have to go and get this the certificate. Oh, I have to get like sidewalk permitting if I want to have like one table outside. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe that's not a good idea right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to cost $20,000, right. you know, like forget it.
0: So you figured out, you How sort much of listed money? everything you need. Yeah, list yeah. everything
1: I need. I'm like, okay, 250000 should cover me for build-out cost and the first six months.
0: Did you nail it? Like, was that the right number? No,
1: no, no, no. no. I definitely needed a little bit more. But, okay. Um, but it Actually, it was fine because I was, I'm really frugal like that. Yeah. Like I was, I'm really able, I was really able to, you know, get favors and figure out how to, you know, I was dating an architect at the time and, you know, figured out <laughs> Got some favors sort from of, architect. Yeah, 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 totally. Right. Um,
0: and you had to hire a chef.
1: I had to to hire a chef, but he was on my soccer team in New York. And so he helped me out in the beginning. So there's like, I just kind of got... Pulled it together. Pulled it together, you know. Um, The build-up costs were just so... I had to dig out a basement. There was no basement. (laughs) I had to literally dig, shovel, like dig into the earth. And dig out the basement.
0: Did you ever consider just getting like renting a restaurant space?
1: We tried. I tr- I tried.
0: But you would lose out to the chain every, restaurants. Every chain restaurant. Yeah. And of
1: course, I'm a first-time restaurateur. Every landlord was like, Goodbye, little girl. Like right. nobody wanted to every single one were like "We're like these like, you know, Jewish like landlords, old school guys mm-hmm. who are just like, Who are you? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just this little Asian girl,
0: you right. know what I mean? And so, so how did you get the, um, th- was it one person that funded it or are you multiple people?
1: Oh my God, it was so many people and it was like- <laughs>
0: 250,000 people each with a dollar. <laughs>
1: literally, it was like probably like 20 people. Wow. Yeah. And, okay. and, and it was like the way I, I raised that money was hysterical. Like I would try so hard. I would, so, okay, so so these one-on-one dinner, mm-hmm. these one-on-one meetings were yeah. not working out. Okay, And so, so, um so I was like, okay, I just stopped. I was like, okay, where do I shine? Like, where am I most me? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, soccer field. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the most myself. Like I, in college, I used to have guys come watch me play soccer so they can fall in love with me. Because they're like, oh, she's so good. Like, okay, you that's know, how you'd score. it was like I would yeah, yeah. score like the hot guy. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, soccer. Like, where else am I shining? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, dinner parties. Mm-hmm. I host a really great dinner party. Okay. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to start throwing these fundraising dinner parties. Whoa and that's that changed wow. everything. Wow. So you had a
0: dinner gathering and then were and you like invite. hard pitching too or was it sort of soft so pitch? So it
1: was a, so basically how it would go down is I would have a very a community experience, uh-huh. tasting experience with a chef, wine, um in a beautiful apartment I'd bar from a friend and then I would have then I would have pitches. Okay. What I realized was that since I was a first-time entrepreneur as a female at the time, it was 2005. It was still very early. This is like almost no women were still very few women mm-hmm. getting invested in from a startup perspective. Yeah, um, and it's still only like five percent now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, um, so I actually got my friend, who's a white guy with a British accent, to come and present the business for me. Yeah.
0: My mouth, my jaw is dropped to the floor because yes. you can't see, that. that's crazy. Yeah. You hired like an actor to pitch for you.
1: It was my friend. I didn't hire him. Yeah, I know, but, yeah, but like yeah, essentially. Basically, essentially, yeah. and he pitched the idea. This is why I think the idea is a brilliant, brilliant idea, <laughs> you know, and. British
0: accent so key. Like oh you my needed God, that.
1: so key, so key. And I raised, that's how I raised the money. Because I had this 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 white British guy present my idea for me. And I just but, sat there being like the cheerleader, being like, try this. Oh my God, you guys meet each other, like talk to each other. Oh my God. Oh, you work in finance and oh you work in uh-huh. um branding. Like you guys should definitely connect and exchange numbers. I would be like that connecting okay. person, getting like like everyone to become <laughs> best friends with each yeah, other yeah. in the investment. Which like, is
0: what you're comfortable and good at. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would have the white British guy present the business plan.
0: Wow. You know?
1: And it was it worked. And, and then
0: once they're committed and they love the idea, then you're like, I'm actually the founder.
1: Right. right. Like well, he didn't
0: go, he didn't like sign the, no, <laughs> the no, no, agreement. No no no, 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 no,
1: He just pitched it yeah. for me, mm-hmm. um, but they knew I was the fi- founder, yeah, yeah. but, but it, it was just, it just was so much more, it just felt, it felt like so much more professional coming from a third party white guy with a British accent. <laughs>
0: wow. You like hacked the pitch system. Yeah. That's I, so it funny. Was,
1: it was kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: Can I ask um, how much equity in the company you had to give up to get the 250?
1: I gave up 20%. Okay. Yeah. Great. So it wasn't wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I like, oh my God, I, had, I would have a, another dinner party where I would invite a bunch of investor potentials mm-hmm. and then the chef wouldn't show up. <laughs> like one time. <laughs> and uh-huh. I was like sitting there all dejected, like crying, like being like, I can't believe. And then one person would pull out a checkbook and like write me a $20,000 check being like, don't worry about it. Here's 20000 I was like, send me the paperwork uh-huh. later. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? And then like another time I would like be working so hard and like people who you know who knew I'd be working really hard, I was like one time at a rooftop, like just talking about the business, being like, oh my God, it's been such a, like I'm just trying to make this happen. It's been my dream. And then this woman picks out her checkbook, writes me a $25,000 check. Wow. And gives it to me, like, send me the paperwork later. That's literally how I raised, it was not these business meetings. Uh-huh. It was
0: the most unexpected just the times. most
1: unexpected Ways like I I would I I was at my restaurant and there was this guy and this woman who came in and I just started chatting with them up and like they were on their first date mm-hmm. I was like oh my god I would send them out some stuff and try to make and then he ended up investing twenty five thousand his partner ended up investing twenty thousand so wow. I cobbled stuff together yeah. you know over time it's almost
0: like you never actually gave a professional pitch and right. then got money from that Right, pitch. never
1: not one time <laughs> I had one guy who kind of had a crush on me he gave me twenty five thousand. Took it happily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you get better at pitching? Like when you started the I other I did. Businesses? I
1: started learning what people wanted to, what 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 people were like, oh, interesting. Mm. Oh, pizza category is a $32 billion category. Mm-hmm. Americans eat a hundred acres of pizza every single day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. The, the healthy lifestyle category is growing exponentially, you know, 10X faster than the S&P 500. Yeah. You know, so you and started you start, like you start aligning the wings for out, them. Yeah. You yeah. start figuring out like, the market mm-hmm. you know market size the opportunity you just i just started to learn like when when people's eyes perked up or ears perked up yeah and they're like oh interesting leaning in like uh-huh, uh-huh. looking more looking before they're like kind of like looking around looking at their like, phone like, whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah and then they're like oh interesting mm-hmm. so that's kind of when i just started learning but you just have to do it over and over and, and, and fail and the first yeah Fucking 100 will be like the worst (laughs) things ever. Yeah. And then the 101st, you'd be like, oh, wow, I just, I did learn stuff because Uh it's rolling off my tongue
0: less uncomfortably. So what would you say is like the best piece of advice you could offer to someone who's like trying to pitch their idea out there?
1: Practice it on every single person, like get uncomfortable, like get your, go pitch it to your family members, go pitch it to your best friends, even if they're like, awkward and uncomfortable mm-hmm. it's like probably more awkward to do it in front of your friends because like you're like the most shy yeah. and like they judge you so hard you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's like so actually doing it in front of those people mm-hmm. are actually the best um ways to yeah. lose your your fears around right. pitching mm-hmm. just pitch it to everyone and, and you know in the subway when you meet someone oh what are you working on okay so i've got this project and you just start home and then you see what what they say yeah like, what they're like oh interesting or they're like cool it's you a know? lot of
2: like
0: um Emotional reading, That's like it. reading them, right? That's it. That's yeah. it.
1: And you're seeing what what sparks people to ask another question,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
1: and so you just have it's it, it is that ten thousand hour rule. Yeah, you know, you do have to actually just say it over and over again. Like when I when I sh- when I talk about disruptive innovation right now, you know, I've given the talk enough times now like mm-hmm. the first time i was a little clunky yeah second third fourth fifth times getting better and better mm-hmm. and now it's like i can riff off of it i can like tell some jokes in between and know where I, my place yeah. was right and get back to where i was in my presentation mm-hmm. without being like fuck fuck you know yeah so it's the same thing like when you when someone someone if you're like on your pitch and you're in it and you're in the zone and then someone interrupts you with a question and then you lose your place yeah. and you freak out like that's that means that you don't know it well right enough. it's
0: not about like memorization. It's not yeah. at all. It right. just,
1: it's knowing your talking points, mm-hmm. knowing when you want to have a conversation with somebody, but still knowing when to get back to your talking points. Cause you want to make sure that you hit your value propositions, you know, really yeah. well so that they can walk, walk away and repeat it back. So another a key thing that I, that I think is, is critical is that when you tell someone mm-hmm. your business idea, ask them to repeat it back to you. Okay. And if they can't repeat it back to you in a really pithy, quick way, in the mm-hmm. same way you, you told them, that means that you haven't pitched it properly enough. Right. You haven't, you haven't learned your pitch nice. well That's a good enough. piece of advice. Just repeat it, just have them repeat it back. Okay, so right. what's my business idea? Right. And they'll be like, it's a uh, <laughs> bidet that, okay, cool. You but, got
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the pitch. Everyone knows it's important. But what's often forgotten is the fact that it will happen anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Communicating your idea doesn't only come in a conference room while presenting a deck. Look at Mickey's experience. It pops up in everyday conversations, and I can fully vouch for this as well. When I'm put on the spot to talk about my creation or my idea or my business need, it's almost never at a scheduled meeting in a boardroom. It's always by random chance occurrence. So make sure you are always ready. How you communicate will be a reflection of you and the strength of your idea. Think of the different circumstances of when you would want to talk about your idea and hone those different forms of explanation. An elevator pitch for those quick conversations, a dinner for opportunities that allow for long, dedicated moments, and every occasion in between. It's a learning process that you won't perfect unless you go out and do it, much like a stand-up comic. Learn what words resonate with your audience and who you are talking to. Learn what proof points make the biggest impact. And learn what stories paint the best picture. I love Mickey's advice. If someone can't repeat back what your idea is, then you need to go back to the drawing board and either rethink how you're communicating that idea or maybe the idea itself. Mickey's pitch story for her wild restaurant is really wild. You don't hear about dinner parties with an English guy as your faux business partner too often. But beyond the story, the moral is this, do whatever it takes. Also, she learned the best person to be is your true self. The people involved are not only investing in your idea, they're investing in you, your vision, and your confidence in the idea. And plus, you're basically about to marry these people. You have to make it through thick and thin together. And ending a partnership is just as hard as going through a divorce. So it's probably best to just keep it real from the start. In fact, this kind of reminds me of some sage dating advice that Lauren Hill once gave, that I think also applies really well to business.
2: You know, we're interested in somebody, and we, we put on the perfume and dress up, and then we do things that we'll never, ever, ever do again. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, and that's why so many marriages end up in divorce because people wake up next to a stranger. They say, who the hell are you? What are you doing in this bed? Where's that man that used to do du da, and duh? And I'm saying, just give him reality from the door because see, love, you're going to attract love, you know, and, and the one that really loves you. And then you don't have to pretend and falsify and, you know, and keep that posture, you know. You know, I can't, I'm just like, i never forget when I first met him, I said to him, it was like, you know, he saw me eating in front of him. And he told—he was like, you eat like a man. You must not like me. You know, because women are usually, you know, that posture. And I said, nah. I said, it's not, it's not even that, you know, it's, but this is reality. This is, you know, and that's it, man.
0: Okay, so now um, going into the next business. Yes. How did you start that one?
1: Um so the period underwear company mm-hmm. I started it um so the idea came at my family barbecue. Okay. Um my my family every year we have a a championship we call it Agripalooza mm-hmm. and my last name is Agrawal and we have three legged race, egg toss, okay, we've like got field like day. field day, yeah, full yeah. on. And um my my sister and I were in our three legged race and mm-hmm. we were like 10 year rating champions and in the middle of the race my sister started her period. And we had to like <laughs> okay. race to the finish line, still tied to each other, up some stairs to get to the bathroom so she, yeah. so she can change out her bathing suit bottoms. And as she was washing out the bathing the blood from mm-hmm. the bathing suit bottoms, was when the idea hit. It was like, oh my god, wouldn't it be amazing to create a pair of underwear that never leaked? Yeah, yeah, that never stained, that supported women every day of the month. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were like, wow, we're so excited about it. And then we went and talked to our older sister Yuri, who's a head and neck surgeon. And we're like, we remember that all of her underwear in her drawer are soiled with blood stains. Uh-huh. And we're like, why are all of your underwear soiled with blood stains? And mm-hmm. she's like, because when you're in the operating room, you can't be like, yo, face while you're still open. I'm gonna go change my <laughs> tampon. I'll be right back. You can't yeah. do that. So you, you have just, have to just have it. just Bleed. Yeah. You're through with everything. I, you know, playing soccer, I can't be like, yo, ref, stop the game and to change my tampon, brb. Like you uh-huh. can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're presenting a presentation. If you're a dancer on stage, if you're talking to a group of people on, you know, in Mm -hmm. in a presentation, you can't be like, yo, I'm going to go change my tampon, be right back. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And then you bleed out. It happens to pretty much every single woman at some point in their lives. It's pretty mortifying for so many. It's messy. It's... It's uncomfortable. Yep. Um, and so there was really an opportunity to create a pair of underwear that never leaked that supported women every day. And how long did you did it take it for it you to develop it? Four years to create the product. Wow. Myself, my twin sister, and our third co-founder, Antonia. It was. It and was that was in
0: the R and D of like fabrication. And creating all it was
1: four technologies, four fabrics mm-hmm. coming together. So mm-hmm. the technologies and fabrics all existed yeah. separately. Where right. we had to put them all together. So it's eight things mm-hmm. that that was a real, it was like needle in a haystack, finding the right fabrics that match together that when you put it in the wash and the dryer, one layer didn't buckle at a different level than another layer. Like it was yeah. a really, the technology didn't wear off fast, you know, like that, that they really, really worked.
0: Mm-hmm. And how much did you have to initially raise for that one?
1: So we tried to raise money and, again, raise a big fat donut, raise nothing. And so we, for six months, raised nothing. And so uh-huh. we went to Kickstarter. Okay. So we had a Kickstarter campaign, raised $65,000 on Kickstarter, like okay. had our, you know, uncle's best friend's kindergarten teacher, like give us, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, buy a pair, pre-order. Yeah. And, and so then we entered a few competitions, like startup competitions. We mm-hmm. won one. Mm-hmm. So we won a $25,000 cash prize. Okay. We entered another competition where we placed first again. Yeah. And then they... um we, we had to do another Indiegogo campaign, raise another 20,000 there. And then we relaunched a crappy 1.0 website where we were accepting pre-orders. Okay, and so and all together And way. raise money that way. So all together we cobbled like $130,000 together. Wow. And that we were able to use to create our first set of period underwear, first 3,000 products. Wow. And then we took those 3,000, uh-huh. we sent them to all of our customers off Kickstarter, Indiegogo, et cetera, and our pre-orders from our website. And then we sent everyone a survey from SurveyMonkey free mm-hmm. and then we're like tell us what you think and then 95% of the feedback was this is amazing Yeah, you know five percent were like the leg holes are too tight or whatever mm-hmm. whatever but like <laughs> for the most part it was like like a raging success and so we took those feedback and then we went to friends and family yeah and then raised $450,000 there
0: nice to um but so you had a proof point already that you could yeah, serve up
1: but 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 Again, it took us all those competitions, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, like everything, yeah, to get there. And most people would stop after six months of even creating the product. It took us four years to create the product, earning zero dollars. Mm-hmm. Then it took us a year, you know, to raise the money. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a really long process. So um, the
0: difference between because I hear a lot of like pros and cons of not Kickstarter but like kickstarting a business or right. Indiegogo. Do you? find it to be like, you would recommend it to an entrepreneur? Uh,
1: if you can't raise money, mm-hmm. it's a great way to do it because then people are just basically pre-ordering product. Yeah. Um, and again, it also can dictate and can tell you a little bit if people are interested in this idea. Because mm-hmm. if you're selling like a commodity, yeah, it might be harder on Kickstarter.
0: Which you were, you were selling a commodity. You were selling underwear.
1: Right, but we were selling technical underwear. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it was a commodity met with, a, a big twist mm-hmm. for women on their periods
0: how how high did the revenue get for things?
1: Um, I can't talk about that, but okay. I can just say that um, you know led it to you know over 150 million in valuation
0: okay yeah from that 160k in the beginning. yeah, that's amazing yeah What I appreciate about my conversation with Mickey, is that she's able to break down the different types of fundraising in detail. From pulling together groups of friends for dinners during the initial phases of Wild to leveraging the online crowdfunding route for Thinks, there's a mountain of insight to learn from her experiences. Thinks basically reinvented the idea of underwear and going through Kickstarter or an Indiegogo was an almost guaranteed way of gauging the public's interest and eventually using that data to raise money. Think of your idea and what's needed to get it off the ground. A great product can take off by going straight to the people. It can be buzzy or it can be innovative and it can offer something completely new and different. But also think about how you're going to transition from being a product to a brand. Although it can be labeled as technical wear, Thinks has done a great job at using design and tone to position itself as a brand with personality today. When creating that brand, think of what your purpose is. Why people want your creation. What is the brand? And you as the brand owner, what do you believe in? And how are you going to tell your story of your product? In fact, it's almost like another pitch all over again. First was the pitch to get funding or partners. And now it's the pitch to your customers. But this pitch has to be told through the product itself. Okay, so now you're on to your next Entrepreneurial endeavor. Yep. And how did you get the idea? Like, were you a bidet fan already? You had like a toto.
1: So I'm half Japanese, half Indian. Okay. So in Japan, they have every Japanese person has a toilet, has a bidet, and they think Americans are very strange. Yeah. That we're so advanced, we export Facebook and we export culture, we export every movie and we Mm -hmm. export music, and yet. When it comes to this- <laughs> We're like we, cavemen. We're like cavemen, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And they're always like, America, so barbaric. Yeah. Interesting. You no, know? But
0: even like the nastiest gas station in Japan is a, a bidet. A bidet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not like some, it, here it's like, if you have like a five-star, you know, they live in a five-star building, you have one, but right. no, there it's everything. Ubiquitous,
1: yeah. it's a hundred percent. In Korea, there's two floors dedicated to bidets. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, 10 years from now, we're gonna look back and say, I can't believe we were wiping our asses with dry paper, 10 years ago in 2018. It's actually crazy. We're going to just, we're going to look back and be like, wow, like that's wild. So, yeah, so Tushy was born, and in India, they have the Indian like bum guns. It's almost like a hose that sprays your back. I don't know
0: how to use those.
1: I don't either. I actually tried when I was in Middle East a couple of weeks ago,
0: and it was. Do you go from the back or from the front? They
1: say it's from the front, but the, because the back doesn't work. There's no way you can't, my arm doesn't bend like that. And the front, it it just sprays the poop back. I don't understand. I don't get it. It doesn't work for me. So, so Andrew, my, my, my now husband, Mm -hmm. when we were first dating, he knew I was obsessed with bidets and I never knew that. I never knew. I mean, I was renting an apartment, so Mm -hmm. I didn't want to like buy a bidet get the plumbing and electrical thousands of dollars later. Um, or the French bidets are those weird squat things next to your toilet, yeah. which no one would install plumbing. Like no one would just, it just doesn't make, there's no space. Yep. No one gets it. Everyone thinks it's a fountain. Like mm-hmm. what is that thing? You have yeah. to shimmy no over. No one has the space
0: in New York Like you have for to shimmy
1: that. over with your poopy butt to clean <laughs> know, it. Like right? what? Shuffle over. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. And so that doesn't work. So Andrew, for, for Valentine's Day, first Valentine's Day, eight years ago, he got me this Chinese clip-on bidet. Uh-huh and it was just like ugly contraption yeah. but it really worked and i was like what is this thing mm-hmm. and and i was like so intrigued and so i started researching bidet attachments okay and i was like wow like there are just other either crappy ugly things Um, Or those really expensive Japanese toilets were thousands of dollars. And there was no like designer, modern, Mm -hmm. beautiful, aesthetically pleasing bidet that you can attach to your existing toilet and turn any toilet into a bidet in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, ding, ding, ding. This is it. This is the idea that's going to make bidets ubiquitous in America. I'm going to create the most beautiful, aesthetically pleasing branded product that's only $69 Mm -hmm. that anyone can afford. And and present it to the American in a really relevant way. Right. You know, you think about, like, how did cars in America, you know, disrupt the horse and buggy mm-hmm. category? Mm-hmm. Cars existed for only the wealthy until... And so, it, so so, when it was that way, horse and buggy was still the main form of transportation. Yep. But until the Model T came, mm-hmm. the Model T really was affordable to the masses. Yeah. And so that's why the Model T disrupted the entire horse and buggy category in the transportation category back then. Because it could, because it was affordable enough to the masses. Right. So similarly, Toto tried to come to the United States several times, mm-hmm. but their products are just too, too expensive, high yeah. too high end they're 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 not relevant from a cultural brand perspective. They're mm-hmm. still very bathroomy Japanese. and, and they're Japanese are yeah. very Japanese, very insular, and they're mm-hmm. thinking that way.
0: So when you thought of the idea like, I'm gonna do this, right? Yeah, like did you have to go and figure out the manufacturing of it too?
1: Yeah. so we had to go and find the manufacturer mm-hmm. that will create the mold for this new product. That will believe in again this first time. And luckily, I had a big hit under my belt with with my previous company Mm -hmm. that it was easier to get a manufacturer excited to work with me.
0: Did you already make enough money from? wild and thinks that now you didn't have to ask for financing anymore? No,
1: because I hadn't had an exit yet. Okay. You know, I was still, those are still working businesses. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. with Tushy, it was still, um, you had to f- I still have to raise, money. Had to raise money and What and did you do have to that. raise
0: to, for Tushy? For
1: Tushy, I raised 400,000 from uh-huh. the angel round from one, from two investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that was a really, it was incredible. Like I went to dinner, with, with one of them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: with with one. And he was like, all right, we're in for 400. And I was like, wow, that was unreal.
0: <laughs> you got good. You, you basically like, got good geez, at pitching. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, he got super excited about it. And yeah. I was like, wow, okay. And then since you then- You already
0: had like the brand like ready, like logo, name, everything yeah. was set. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we had a 1.0 product manufactured already. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, and then, and then we've since, like to date, have raised a total of 1.5 million um, for the company. Uh You know, we're we're, you know, we're we're doing some really great numbers. You know, we 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 had our our best, you know, last couple of months. We're doing you know six seven hundred thousand. Any hurdles thus far? Um.
0: With yeah, tushy, yeah.
1: I, I think the hurdles are people. It's just, it's again, it's it's entering the zeitgeist of culture, and I yeah. think you that's know, we your were, biggest hurdle. We yeah. were just on SNL last weekend um, mm-hmm. on Sunday when Michael Che himself, you know, for so for what happened was our we were trying to advertise our, our our campaign for Tushy on the subways, yeah, and um and and they got rejected by the MTA because they were considered sexual ads, and we're like. Bidets are a toilet product. It's not a sexual product. Like, what wow. are you talking about? And um, and so they got rejected. Uh-huh. And so we went to press, and New York Daily News published the article that our um, our ads got flushed down the toilet by the yeah, MTA. Yeah, yeah. And then I forgot that the, that Saturday Night Live they scour all the New York Dailies for like funny content. Yeah, they're every every week. And then they found the story. And then Michael Che, who's uh-huh. like the head writer of SNL, yeah. he um, he ha- loves bidets, uh-huh. and so and he loves tushy. And so he basically w- actually was the one that went on Weekend Update and did a almost a three minute rant on why these ads should have been on the subway, why bidets are important, why bidets are like the best thing since sliced bread. Like he really just went nuts right. over it. And it was such a It was proof. better that they it, rejected your ad. Exactly. And yeah. it was such proof that bidets are entering the zeitgeist of culture. And mm-hmm. that's what really, really excited us. Like yeah. we we believe that we're going to have an exponential year in 2019.
0: And so now that you've founded these three companies or more probably that, you, you know, there's probably more entrepreneurial things that you've done than these three. But what kind of advice do you give to people who are trying to break through something that has like these sort of like old school programming parameters built in. You
1: just have to create an amazing product, mm-hmm. really like not compromise on the product. Yeah. Cause, because y- if you don't have a great product, you can't really create a new market. because mm-hmm. People are going to be like, yeah, it's a decent product, but mm. yeah. so if you have a best in class product, mm-hmm. you have to have really considered artful design across every touch point of your brand. Cause if you're yeah. talking about something taboo, like poop or periods or pee, anything like that, if, your aesthetic isn't really, really thoughtfully considered every touch point yeah. across every touch point, then people are going to be like, ew, gross. Right. So you have to be like, oh wow. The first thing they have to be like, is that, that's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're talking about poop. Interesting. Right. Right. So like, cause if their first thought is that's beautiful, mm-hmm. then it, then psychologically it opens yourself up to having that conversation for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the same thing is having accessible, relatable language. Like, mm-hmm we used to write really technically and academically and medically and clinically because we were like quad tech technology. Like we yeah. thought people care, but no one gives a shit about that. They just want to know if it, is, does it work Okay. and talk to me like I'm a human, not like I'm some robot. Right. Right. And so we started writing, like we're texting our best friend. Mm-hmm. And so with the right <laughs> relatable language, you're like, Oh, that feels fam- the way you talking to me. It totally feels so changes familiar. it. Yeah. And then it's just like, Oh, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, the product is amazing. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try it out. Right. So you know the Be way, I, yeah. Yeah, the way I talk about it is like, if if we're trying to get, trying to push everyone over the edge of the cliff, mm-hmm. as in trying the product. Yeah. Every time we 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 do something that's relevant culturally, it, it it makes people come closer to the edge, right, right, and then closer to the edge and closer to the edge. You don't have to have gigantic viral moments every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't predict virality, like you know that just you can't predict it. But every incremental thing that you do pushes people closer to the edge. you be like, oh, huh. And all of a sudden they're seeing it. Oh, their friend has one. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, Michael Chase from SNL just talked about it. Oh, mm-hmm. they just read it in your yeah. daily news. Oh, they just read it, read it in Vulture. Oh, they just thought, okay, what is this it's happening. thing? Yeah. It's happening, you right. know? And so, oh, they just saw it on Goop's gift guides. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just, you know? And so it's like, boom, boom, boom. And so eventually we'll start just seeing people jump off the cliff yeah. more and more and more and more. And then and then the more people jump off the cliff, the more it becomes easier because then they're selling it to their friends. Right. It then becomes a peer-to-peer sale that we don't even have to do the work. And mm-hmm. so I saw that with my free, previous company. It's like, you don't, you then, you actually, your your your, your sales numbers should, your, your acquisition numbers should actually go down as you're converting more people. They're
2: the because they're the evangelists. Because yeah, they're the evangelists. Yeah, And so if you're nice. doing
1: the right job. So. so
0: I look forward in five years when, we're laughing at people who use toilet paper.
1: Right. <laughs> and once again, do not go to Tushy.com. It's a very graphic porn site. Go to hello tushy.com. And by the way, I'm actually offering a 10% off discount to with a code Hypebeast. Oh, cool. To anybody who who's listening in and wants to try it out. 10% very cool. off for Thank you. A, a code HYPEBEAST. Cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you very much. Yay. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show.
1: I mean, happy to be here. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this wild episode with the fiercely independent Mickey Agrawal. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I personally use Anchor FM. And leave a comment. Please tell us what you think of the show. Tell a friend about the show. It definitely helps a lot when you spread the word. You can also reach out to me directly on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Staple, and we do occasionally answer listener questions on the show, so if you have a question, you can email it over to questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Navetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers-Berry. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpra and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location at the Anchor headquarters in New York City. I am Jeff Staple and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.